As a listener of this podcast, you may have heard me speak often about meditation and how it has played a key role in widening my perspectives and realizing that I have the agency of changing my perspectives about life and the various elements in life. And one area of my life that all this inner work has really helped me see in a new light is Judaism. Growing up, it was perceived as a religion so intellectual and so cerebral without emotion. Even early on in my meditative practice, I was shocked that this stuff was not taught in Judaism. However, I, as I constantly and continuously grow and dive into learning about the richness of Judaism, I see that there's such a deep and wide knowledge in pretty much every subject from meditation to physics to science and medicine and beyond of both spiritual worlds and spiritual understanding and to our earthly world. And it's beginning to be revealed. Nevertheless, much of what is taught can be seen as cerebral and like a to-do list that you just check off and do this and that. So it excites me to connect with and now share with you Rabbi Daniel Bortz, the millennial rabbi who's on a mission to make Judaism experiential, meaning viewing Judaism as a relationship, not a religion, but with God that we can understand intellectually and emotionally. As you hear us talk about when you really know something, it's not just intellectual knowledge, but it has to make it into your body. And that's what's so powerful about experiences, especially especially new experiences, because experience enriches the circuitry in your brain. And to get the behavior to match your intentions, to get the mind and the body working together, a new experience has to occur. And it enriches the circuits in the brain. And once that occurs, the brain releases a certain chemical which is a feeling, and you begin to embody a philosophy that you've been learning. At the end of the interview, we spoke about his virtual retreat called the Divine You Retreat, which already took place, but you may be able to purchase the recordings if you reach out to him on our Instagram. It was a phenomenal all-day virtual event and amazing speakers, some of which were previous guests on this podcast. And you can follow more of Rabbi's work especially after hearing a little bit about his story uh, on this episode. You can go check out his website, Rabbi Bortz, R-A-B-B-I-B-O-R-T-Z.com, or follow him on social media at Millennial Rabbi. If you haven't yet, please leave a review about the show and today's guest on Apple Podcasts. I've been seeing some really genuine and nice reviews as of recent. And head over to SolomonEzra.com or follow me on Instagram at King underscore Solomon 8. Facebook Solomon Ezra Berezin to learn more. Also subscribe to my YouTube channel Solomon Berezin to get updates on new videos and podcasts. And finally, if you're interested in starting my one-on-one coaching programs, head over to the coaching services pages on my website and be sure to reach out. Now onto the show with the Millennial Rabbi. Well, we kind of, uh, we, we started with some juicy stuff, but um, I'd love to don't you, know, you worry, we're gonna hear a little bit about uh, yourself, your background. I think you have a very cool background that led into all the work that you're doing uh, now with uh, you. I, I saw, you know, you used to do, uh, compete in jujitsu tournaments. Uh, you would go and do, uh, you would have like a Shabbat tent at Coachella. And uh, one of the things that I think connects me with uh, following all your stuff is, of course, the, the, um, the, promotion and the practice of, of meditation and how it's very important in um, creating a, I want to say pure and like maybe the original intention of how, how Judaism was taught 
so with all that, please welcome Daniel. It's a pleasure to have you on. It's a pleasure to be here, Solomon. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I grew up, I was born in South Africa and grew up in San Diego, California. Um, And my parents started to get a little more into Judaism slowly as I was growing up. So I started to get, you know, some of the knowledge and they they sent me to a Jewish school. So I kind of had that basis, but they were very much of the world, you know, I would say they moved towards modern orthodoxy and balance of of the secular world and the and the spiritual world. And um, as many of us do post bar mitzvah or bat mitzvah, I started to want to go into my own uh, self actualization. And I wanted to go to public school, and I wanted to hang out with other friends and experiment and uh, see what you know what the world had to offer. And that led me down various paths that were strong learning experiences and put me kind of Um, at a point where I had to figure out, you know, what I wanted and what, what, where truth was. I was always like a seeker of truth. Like where, where was my place in the world as we start to grow in our teenage years and after that. And I started to really connect to my um, Jewish roots and started learning why we believe what we believe. And I also started to have some spiritual experiences, which in the past I wouldn't really talk about because it was considered even in Jerusalem and yeshiva, people were a little bit weirded out if you said you had a an otherworldly experience there was it's a little bit out there but today i feel like the way our culture has progressed with uh, spirituality and meditation it's not so weird to say anymore Uh, but that's what happened to me you know beyond all the intellectual rigor and everything else i would say the main reason why i connected back to religion and god was spiritual experiences that i believe god gifted me and and uh and that came out of the blue and that was like a spark that led me down the path of discovery that um, later connected to Torah and Judaism and Orthodoxy and Jerusalem and all of that. I wanted to find that again. I wanted to see where is the spark going? Why is it? What is this feeling? What is the soul that I have? Uh, and as I progressed down that path, I went very much into it, meaning I kind of dressed the part. I had the suit and the black hat. I was in yeshiva learning all day long, literally. Uh, maybe breaks for the bathroom and even then it was hard to turn the mind off from Torah learning there was which you're not allowed you're not supposed to think about it when you're in the bathroom it's not a holy place so that's that was my biggest challenge of the day Um, and eat breathe sleep spiritual growth and immersion immersion I believe is important for some parts of your life to really go in deep as you and I were talking about with seminars and retreats the ability to immerse and I'll just say that the, the the stage that I found after that immersion was then I found kind of a third place where I was able to look to harmonize the uh, life I lived up until becoming more religious and then the truth that I felt I had found and to try to harmonize them together and realize that my whole life, it wasn't like I had nothing true before and now I only had truth, but yeah. all, all the parts of who I am and what I'm into and what I'm passionate about, what I find interest in, all can find a place within my service of God and in making this world a dwelling place for God. And that's what kind of led me down to all the things you were mentioning about, yeah. you know, Coachella and jujitsu. I could take the things I enjoyed and, and elevate it to a, to a godly experience. Yeah. Wow. That's so cool. That's so cool. How, how did you feel like, or how did those spiritual experiences guide you to, <clears throat> to more of a religious observance? Um, because it also seems like uh, there, there are stories we hear of, of other um, well-known people. You know, there's even well-known meditation teachers uh, who are Jewish, 
but they they aren't practicing or aren't observant. Um, but they're also still very living, mm. at least in my current understanding, a, a Torah life and how they ele elevate things around them. How did uh, how did you feel like it was guiding you towards uh, observant lifestyle? Yeah, into, like you were studying like all day, as you said. Yeah, so it's a great question. It could have, it could have not. I think on a practical level, I had learned in Jewish schools for a lot of my life. My family was Shabbat, kosher. I had that context. I had learned a lot about Judaism. So it was natural for me to look within my own faith and to get some guidance as to how do I, what's the proper path? It's not enough for me to just feel this. Um, what is this connected to? What's the plan? What's the purpose of why we're here? Because you can be spiritual all day long. One yeah. thing I love to, to think about and talk about is the difference between spirituality and holiness. I think holiness you can, or God, God, like holiness and godliness. I guess you could connect holiness with godliness. Oh, yeah, maybe that is the definition of what changes it from, from spiritual to holy is the godly aspect, is the fact that there's an objective um, truth that I am attaching this connection to that um, I could bliss out all day long on a mountaintop and meditate, and there's nothing wrong with that per se. Uh, but the goal I think Judaism espouses that I really resonate with is how do I take that feeling and permeate the physical with it? How do I live my life practically aligned with that feeling? That's not enough to because you could you could feel spiritual one moment, and then you walk. You know, like this happens to me all the time. You, you pray with fervor, and then you take off your tefillin, you go in your car, someone cuts you off, and you get angry at them, you yell at them. It's like, dude, what just happened there? So the goal of holiness, like permeate your, your waking state, your non-meditative state, that's the place that you have to bring that into, and that's practical. That's a yeah. lot of what Jewish life is. Did you find, you, you mentioned, um, you know, you can go to like a mountain and, and bliss out and just do that the whole day. How is that any different than, you know, there are some people in the Jewish nation that just sit in the room and study all day. Mm. There are a select few that I think it is perhaps their service. They're, they're, they're attuned to that. And we need some leaders and experts that we can turn to that, that do that. Um, part of me wants to do that. There's a part of me that would love to go to Tzfat and just learn Kabbalah and uh, learn Torah and spend time in prayer meditation. Yeah. But I believe ultimately for most of us, the goal isn't to separate ourselves from the world. It's to bring, God has enough angels, plenty of angels. He even has us as souls before we're born. Meaning before we came down, yeah. we were souls that had no negative uh, impulses. We were singing God's praise with angels. So why come down at all? The point is during the short span of life that we have to permeate our physical surroundings and our practical day-to-day -day life with God. That's the unique thing we can contribute. Now to do that, you have to spend some time, prayer every day, meditation yeah. every day, learning every day to keep yourself pumped up with that, aligned with yeah. that truth. But that's not to remain there, not to remain there, I don't think. Yeah, it's it's like, um, that's the whole like, um, you know, with, with my podcast, like get it, how do we live in that state of flow where you're also kind of in both worlds at the same time, kind of like a knife's edge, you know, the very the very um, the sharp part is is it's it's a fine line, but you're it's still part of both mm. sides. So it's uh, it's really cool in your own just uh, watching and tuning in on your social media and your YouTube and listening to you now. How you kind of were fully in 
And it's like you were building, oh, let's say like if it's like a right arm and a left arm, you were like building the, the spiritual side and because you were like catching up per se, maybe what you didn't have growing up or I don't wanna say didn't have, but I think you're with me. And then now, then you were like, okay, now it's time to, you know, as, as we're taught, you know, it's making this godly, this place a, a dwelling place for God, which is elevating all the around, so in all, all the world. So now it's really cool that you're really kind of merging both. You have a foot in both worlds. Yeah, the, the Baal Shem Tov taught that in all your ways, know God. So it's not like a compromise to take, let's say, the, the world outside of uh, religion and spirituality and then take the other and compromise them is that if it's true that, that there's nothing outside of God's light, then everything has the potential to, you can find a uh, way of elevating it. Now, there are some things you elevate it through rejecting it, through not getting involved in that thing, like uh, non-kosher food, and there's different things that we don't try to elevate. But most things, most things from nature to sports to music, everything has, it's not compromising, it's, it's revealing the, the deeper truth within everything. And I like when you said knife's edge and, and back and forth, because one of the fundamental ideas in Jewish mysticism is rutso vishuv, mm -hmm. which means running and returning, that the angels that Ezekiel saw in his vision were running to God in love and returning in um, awe, respect, reverence. And we do that, right? We go on the mountaintops, we go, we go up, we try to, when we pray, you know, our souls might feel like they want to leave their body, but then when we finish, we, we stop, we sit down with our children or with our breakfast or with whatever it is, and we ground that experience into our worlds. That's the goal, the back and forth, the candle that shoots up off the wick, but then settles back down. And that, that's what creates light in the room. That's, uh, it's so cool. And uh, you, you bring it up because that's what the ebb, ebb and flow is. And I was talking to uh, Rabbi Y.Y. Jacobson yesterday, and he, mm -hmm. we were bringing that up as well, because in the uh, the Tanya lessons, the chapter 50, it, it talks exactly about that, that the Levites in the times of uh, the Messianic times will be elevated to the level of a Kohen and they'll sing this songs of Ratz of Ashub. Wow. I thought it was really, really cool. Yeah. Wow. So how, yeah. how have all these uh, experience in your own journey and balance in, in cultivating this balance of all of that led into you know, you, you competed in sports. So you also have that physical uh, passion and element with, with health. Uh, and then also you, you have a, a, a book beneath the surface and you have a soul living immersive course. How did all of this kind of translate into how you're expressing all this into helping other people, whether it was through the sports, through the book, through the course, you know, mm. similar work uh, that I myself am, am uh, bringing into and sharing. Yeah, I think it all comes back to the, the desire to, when you connect with something that's good for you, that you've enjoyed, that you believe is true, is sharing that with other people. Mm -hmm. um, I always had a desire to do that my whole life. Like if there was something I believed was true and I believed was beneficial, I wanted others to experience. I didn't want it to just be me, just part of my nature, um, even before I was religious. And, um, all those three things you mentioned are connected to that. When it comes to the book, Beneath the Surface, every week in Yeshiva, I was learning so many mind-blowing things, I couldn't contain them all. So what I would do is I would choose one or maybe one. And I would, my, I guess my little skill I had in the ADD generation was to take a four-hour for bringing a four-hour talk 
and give it over in four paragraphs. So I would get an email list of friends and family, and I would just send every week a short kind of what is the kernel of the truth of what was given? What is the like main point? Instead of getting bogged down in too many details, just what's the main message? What's the main story, the main lesson? And over the years, I collected them, collected them, collected them. I had a blog and I decided to put them together in a book. So that's how Beneath the Surface was formed. Um, the idea of looking at life and looking at other people beyond the superficial layer that it shows us, finding the soul within it. And that theme of finding the soul behind everything and within everyone is what led also to my course, uh, Soul Living, mm -hmm. which, which was uh, very much focused and is very much focused on helping people get in touch with their souls and within um, with the with the spiritual reality. And there's a lot to say on that, but that's that's the the coaching course I do. And jujitsu was a little bit connected to that as well because I was teaching a boy bar mitzvah in San Diego, and his father was and him were really into jujitsu. And he's like, "You got to try this." And I I boxed a bit in high school. I was always in sports my whole life, like every sport. My, my curse is that, you know, some people, let's say, love one sport or two, and that takes up a lot of time. If you're a baseball fan, a football fan, it's a lot of time, fantasy football, all that. I happen to be passionate about, like, about six sports, literally six, not like sort of, but like knowing everything about it, knowing, wow. you know, tennis, MMA, English soccer, football, basketball, to name a few. So I was always, I'm, I'm one of four boys, you know, my dad's South African. We were very uh, sports focused. I played all the sports competitively pretty much. And um, when this came around, I was like, I haven't really, when you get older, you don't really do competitive sports anymore. You try to go to the gym, you try to maybe shoot the basketball bike or whatever. So I got into jujitsu. It was horrible at first. You get destroyed every day, but I started like anything else in life. Mm -hmm. After you day after day, you do something. One day you wake up and you're like, oh, I actually sort of know how to do this. It just happens like out yeah. of the blue. And that's with everything, Torah learning, a relationship with another, with a loved one, all of a sudden you're like, wow, we built something here. Um, and uh, part of it, the reason I connected it back to the other two things is that to be fair, like I definitely enjoy the idea that people look at a rabbi and they're like, oh, how could you do this as a rabbi? Like, I like that. Whether it's Coachella, whether it's jujitsu, I like people to be like, wow, there's no limitation to someone mm -hmm. being religious or spiritual and involving themselves in this. Um, so that's, that was kind of a fun aspect of getting into jujitsu too, which was to inspire people. I meet a lot of new people through, through it, you know, people that I wouldn't meet otherwise that are also into it. It's like a secret society. Um, and then of course I just enjoyed it. I enjoyed the challenge, taking on a new challenge and, um, competition was definitely a scary challenge that I, that I put under another life experience. I'm glad I, hard to do, but glad I did kind of thing. So, well. Yeah, we got to influence like the, the world positively. That's why. Yeah, I felt like the my uh, cousins are in uh, do jujitsu, and I joined one time. And it was like it was like mental chess that includes mm. all your move, your physical movements. So I was at that age, I was relying so much on strength that it was just like easy to to flip me over or whatever. That's that's I think of it as a Jewish sport, you know, we're not always known as the biggest, strongest people on earth, but it's the gentle art where the smaller one can beat the bigger one, bigger one, like did David beat Goliath? Yeah, that's kind of jujitsu. That's the yeah. so it, it, and it has the word Jew in it. So <laughs> I'll, I'll have to get into it. You were saying about the your book beneath the surface. Uh, it was kind of a um, what did you what's the word? A collection of all your different blog posts from the yeshiva and all these yes. 
the learnings from uh, the discourses <clears throat> that you were studying during the time. Um, what was so unique about them and how did you, um, how did you like act, um, take that information and, and also like apply it? Cause I've, I've also listened to many discourses that you, it's like, it, yeah, it really like, it's like, wow, how did they make that connection? It's like, it's, 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 uh, it's like, um, it leaves you with some level of a highness. It's like, yeah. wow, I never thought about, like, for example, I was reading uh, during Passover, uh, the discourse, uh, Recurring Exodus. And uh, it's like, and I was writing a, a blog post about it as well and notes on the book. It's like this whole, you grow up in learning about, you know, the splitting of the sea, but it never like, occurred to me uh, to ask, you know, out of all the miracles God could have done, why split the sea? And it goes into this whole discourse explaining exactly what the splitting of the sea is. And like we were talking about earlier uh, in, in our conversation, you know, the difference between, you know, just going on a mountaintop and uh, meditating all day, or even just studying all day, being able to merge that holiness, which is compared analogous to water and living in the water, to walking on dry land which is living on the world in the world where you feel separate it's a feeling of separate identity but the jews walking in the sea in the midst of the sea on dry land it's like wow you're merging both of them which mm -hmm. is what we've been talking about and it's it's fascinating how so with all that how did you in the whether it was a blog post you're writing or even in your own life take all that information and, and what tools do you use to then personalize it? Yeah. I think what yeshiva does for you or Torah learning does for you, or if you're a, a spiritual seeker is, is penetrating analysis. Meaning you don't just hear an idea or think about something and stop at the outside. You continually go and, and dissect it and go further and further until it sits with you. It has to, it has to connect I guess the best way to explain it is um, you, you've heard of the, you know, the Chabad movement, you know, Rabbi, all the people, all the great rabbis are interviewing. Most of the, a lot of them are Chabad. Chabad really comes from. It's true. Food. I need to get a, I need to get a more uh, diverse crowd. No, you're doing <laughs> I good. need Chabad. to get every, everybody, all the Jews. <laughs> Chabad rocks, but yeah, yeah. All, all, all of them rock. Um, it, the Alter Rebbe called the movement Chabad because the first three spherots, the first three divine emanations, we'll, we'll put Ketzer out for a second, is Chochma Binadat. In English, wisdom, comprehension, and knowledge. Now, I feel like often we focus on wisdom and all, wisdom and understanding, wisdom and comprehension, which is the idea of like having a novel insight or um, really breaking an idea down into details. That's great. But the third part is often missed. And the third part is dot. Dot is knowledge. But just to show you where English falls short, knowledge. What do we mean knowledge? That, that word dot is used when Adam and Eve are intimate and have a child. To Adam knew Eve. Yeah. And new means that it's a way of connecting to an idea in almost an intimate way, in a way that resonates with you. And that makes you, that's the wow moment. That's the feeling of like, oh, that sits so well, that settles. Yeah. I connect with this idea. And those are the ones I like sharing the most. There's, mm -hmm. there's certain stories or analogies. Every one in my book that I have, like the ones I like to share on my podcast, whatever it is, are the ones that, 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 that connect my mind and my heart. 
Yeah. And that's what dot does that connecting to an idea that it resonates so much. It, it births an emotion. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the, the, that's the place I like to play in, in everything that I do in the events that I create in the Torah stories that I like to share, because, uh, that's where the magic is. Uh, and I believe there are ways to teach in a, that way. Like oftentimes, like I said, like stories, parables, um, that can take you into a world and you get the same idea you would have gotten if somebody told you straight up, this is this. Okay. I get yeah. it. But through a story or through something I can relate to in my daily life, you're like, oh, whoa, like I, I see that idea in a new light. And then you can like integrate it into your um, daily life. And there's so many, I mean, there's so many different uh, yeah. stories that I heard. You're right about the story in that um, I was listening to a discourse uh, on a few parshas ago on Ahre Mot. Yeah. And um, it was when King David, it was a story of when King David uh, sent Bathsheba's wife or husband to the army and he ended up getting killed so he could marry uh, her. Um, obviously they ended up giving birth to Solomon. But um, one of the prophets came to him and didn't just say, you know, um, you know, why did you do this, you know, and just tell him about that, or you did this thing. He told it in a story using like a sheep as an analogy and all that mm -hmm. things. And it helped uh, David see, and it's like a reflection. Oh, I am that man. I, I did that okay. thing. Wow. So you're right that the, with the stories, we're able to see, you know, as the, the Zohar says, you know, as above, below, or as it's reflected in water. So it is uh, the truth. So it's, it's really cool. Do you also use, like, when you're talking about das, which is like when I like to kind of use the more scientific language to help, like when the thoughts and the feelings, like you said, the mind and the heart really connect and you really just have that permeating from inside experience. One, one tool, and we both share this tool with, with meditation, do you use that also as a way to... Um, uh, experience and and uh, create that level of dot or that connection because sometimes when I when I have like a, maybe a lot of thoughts when you're thinking about something the meditation helps kind of go above the thoughts and allow them to just make the connection on your own till you get to a place of beyond the thought and then it just like it's almost like something just kind of downloads or sinks in it's like ah I got it. That's so well put because uh, I mentioned that Keter, which is the middle path beyond mm. Chachmabina, is in line with Dot. It's almost interchangeable with Dot. And I believe when you meditate, you're tapping into that transcendent part of self that's beyond your intellect, which is Keter, which is the highest sphere. And you feel that and integrate that when you move from Keter to Dot. Dot is that, um, I'll give you like one meditation I love to do when I lead meditations is the analogy, the example of the Baal Shem Tov. He says, imagine um, parents that have been wanting to have a child for many years. They've been married for 20 years and she's you know, in her early 40s and um, her mother finally falls pregnant and she gives birth to this child and she's holding this child in her arms, this baby in her arms. The love and the compassion that she must feel for this being is like, you know, we, you and I couldn't put words to that. Be like, oh, wow, that's super loving. No. It's a, it's, a, it's a level we, we, it's hard to put into words. The Baal Shem Tov says, God's love for you is that times infinity. 
Now, if I were just to tell you that God loves you or God's, you'd be like, okay, well, that's nice. Like, cool. Um, if you're able to close your eyes and you're able to calm down, you're able to sit into uh, imagining what it's like going through that mother's life and then imagining, deducing from your own emotions a little bit about what she's feeling. And then you move that up into the, the, the way God cradles you, the way God breathes a breath into your mouth at every moment to give life to you, the way God's compassion for you is on another level that we cannot fathom. You, I believe that can birth from mind to heart. That can bridge dot, can connect your mind and your heart and, and make you feel that love back towards God. So I use it in meditation a lot. I would say these ideas of, of, of going beyond the intellect for sure. And uh, I believe it's very important, just like you do. Very cool. When uh, your, your main, one of the main things I would say is, and how you have like on your website and social media is ex experiential Judaism for this generation. How did you feel that uh, Judaism, maybe it was taught growing up or even myself growing up, never looked at it in the, that way it was, at least in how it is uh, presented because it's, you know, as, as we both also learn more and more, it's not actually how it really was meant to be, but how it perhaps was presented through different outlets, maybe didn't make it seem so experiential. Maybe it, it seemed too rigid. Uh, what led you to, to start this experiential Judaism, this, and what do you really mean by it obviously by experiencing it and and, and creating that das that connection um uh, but really i'd love to hear a little bit more of uh, all about it yeah thank you it, it, the segue from what we just talked about is perfect for that question because um I, you know for children it's different i think you know you're not yet so mature and you're not thinking about spiritual things i think at least till you're 16 17 18 like getting your mind starting to expand um I think that when I talk about experiential Judaism, I'm talking about what we just said, the ability to incorporate um, mindfulness and meditation into everything that we do in the rituals and into the services, which is funny to say, right? What do you mean in the services? Isn't prayer inherently that way? Mm -hmm. Not necessarily. I mean, if you go into a, a shul, into a synagogue, and you're rushing through the prayers, or there's, um, you know, you're sitting on a hard chair with a, with a white wall and you don't know the language and you're coming in for Yom Kippur for the first time in your year, you're probably not going to feel much. Um, so how do, we, how do we create experiences for people to go beyond just the mind or just beyond the words that they're saying, but really like feel into the moment and yeah. feel into the purpose of why that ritual is there in the first place? And I started thinking back to the way Judaism always was. I mean, if you were to walk into the temple in Jerusalem, you would have had music being played by the Levites, like you said. They were actually trained to play music in a way that would arouse the heart and inspire the person bringing the sacrifice. So their whole purpose, the whole purpose was to make it an experience, not just a to-do list or bring this. And, you know, you had incense smoke and you had fire and you had walking barefoot overlooking Jerusalem. And it was like, it was a, bit, it was a powerful experience. And, uh, and I think we've lost a lot of that in how we, how we approach our services and how we approach our everything that we do. So I always try to make events and, and, and make it experiential for people that they can um, connect to it and then bring it into their lives moving forward because 
like we said earlier, we want it to be something that can impact your life moving forward. So uh, every time I make an event or I share something, I'm always mindful of how can I make this go beyond just a something that someone's listening to or learning about, but bring it into their life's experience and they can, they can, they can have that dots and that connection to it. Yeah. You hit it on the head when you said the, the approach, or at least you hit it on the head when, for me, <laughs> when you said like the approach to it, because, you know, I feel like it, and uh, this will lead into the next question. I feel like it's, there's also a fine line between all the doing, the, the check mark, all that kind of stuff, and, and not like the observance and not getting absorbed by it. So mm. it's, it's how, how do you create that, that, that fine line where you're, you're doing those things, but not, um, what's the word? Um, like getting lost in the details yeah, or, or like confined by them. Mm. No, because there's also, as you also have learned, I'm sure with, with meditation, there's a, you learn to not let things external affect you. Not, of course, like that doesn't mean like, you know, somebody um, says something rude to you or like you mentioned earlier, cuts you off. It doesn't mean you don't react or it's, it's okay to react. But the time it takes from that, that refractory period from the stimulus to the response, you can sure you can either close the, the gap. So it's, you know, somebody cuts you off oh, and then, all right, you know, you know, this happened for a reason and not just saying that willy nilly, but actually. And uh, so it's, but at the same time, there is this, you know, like you, we were all, we were talking about the things have, you know, energy and, you know, in Judaism, you, we have all these different rich portals, you know, mm. whether it's saying a blessing um, and all the kind of things or with the kosher food or this different laws. Um, how do you really create that fine balance? So I love how you said portals, because yeah. don't get me wrong. When we talk about a mitzvah, something that God asks of us, you could have the most spirituality in the world. You could be on fire for God, levitating off the ground. And it, we believe it doesn't get you as high as doing a simple mitzvah that God asks. Taking a lulav on Sukkot and shaking it with no feeling. Eating matzah on Pesach night with zero intention. Just doing, because why? Because the levitating spiritually is a finite being going to the peak of their ability. And eating matzah on Pesach is doing an infinite act it's something that the infinite desires and therefore you're connecting now what's the what's the ideal is to merge the two yeah because you want to feel it too you want to they say that when you say a prayer it's like it's like it's like the body of a bird the love and the awe is the right wing and the left wing that 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 brings the the bird to fly high so there is an idea that if you want to read your mitzvot and your prayers and everything you do in jewish ritual to and mitzvot to um, ascend as high as possible, you want to feel it. You want to think about it. You want it to resonate with you. So we're not saying to be cold and unfeeling, but like you said, a portal is to look at the rules and think not as rules, but as mitzvot are opportunities of connection. There are portals of connection. There are uh, God giving us a gateway to go high. But if you want to feel it in your own life, um, you're going to have to uh, make it something that 
you understand. Like one of the things I, I, I like thinking about is the word in Hebrew for um, reason, like reasoning is ta'am. And the word for taste yeah, in Hebrew is that's ta'am. That's my favorite, yeah. If you understand what you're doing, it gives you taste. It gives you a, as I say in Yiddish, like a schmuck. It gives you a, um, a pleasure. For example, if you go to a, a, a music festival, you're probably going to really get excited when you hear a song of like your favorite band. Like, I know that. I know that song. You can sing with them because you know it. In Judaism, if you don't know why you're doing something, it's not going to have the same pleasure as when you understand the reasoning behind it. So it's up to us to take a little bit of time before a holiday, before Shabbat, before to, to like study a bit. And you know, it adds so much meaning to what you're doing. And it makes you, it brings it to you because what you're doing is holy anyways, but it brings it then into your life as well and, and, and permeates your mind and your your experience well, I, I love what you said about the the mitzvahs it's interesting to to meditate on and contemplate how it might be um even even beyond the just the the spiritual connection mm. how but um you know what it takes time it, it takes practice to take that intellectual understanding and really kind of also embody it so how, and, and sometimes it's unconscious in how somebody may uh, approach this mitzvah, even with that understanding that, that you're sharing to, you know, like sometimes I feel like if I get to the place where it's like you, you want to do it, but at the same time, if you don't do it, it's not, I don't want to say bad, but uh, not like, it's interesting getting to the place where you're not leaving that connection outside of you. you, yeah. you are you, you with me? It's like yeah, totally. saying the, 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 the blessing on the, the coffee and, and the kosher coffee, et cetera. It, that is the mitzvah you're saying. But at the same time, if you don't do that, like, uh, how, how do I put it? What, what if you, what if we reframe, I like to reframe religion yeah. as, as a relationship, right? So, Think about a relationship, you'll say, with your wife or your future wife. There's love there. It's great. You're, you're free to creatively show your love in so many ways. You can surprise her. There's so many things. But part of that relationship is going to include obligatory stuff like shoveling the driveway if you live in a cold place or doing things that, daily things, that you might not, it's showing your love, but it's not necessarily always how you want to do it. So I think doing the ritual you're talking about, like, let's say I have to make a blessing on something, even when I'd rather just grab it and eat it, I think is, it, it gives a humility. It, it's like, okay, I, it's not just about me always. And me, you know, today I feel great love for God. So I'm going to meditate for five hours and learn Torah. Tomorrow I feel nothing. I'm going to do nothing. It's like, no, you're in a relationship, buddy. You can't just, you know, do whatever you want all the time. You have to show that love and that appreciation um, daily. Some days you'll really feel it. Other days you won't, but you'll do it anyways yeah. because you're in a relationship. And I believe our connection to God isn't just a, I feel it and then I don't. It's, that was what Mount Sinai was, right? Like it was, it was, the Torah was the wedding ring. You know, we put the wedding ring on and it's on. That's it. You can't run away from it. It is what it is. Some, many of us may try to, um, but, but, you know, it's, uh, it, it, it's also beautiful to look at it as um, a commitment. And every human relationship is an analogy for a relationship with God. So there's the best friend part, the fun, but there's also a king and a servant of the king or a father and a child. Like every archetype, like Carl Jung likes to talk about, every archetype exists between us and God too. 
And one of those archetypes is um, a servant to a king, is like, you know what? I'm committed through thick and thin. And if someone wants to kill me, like's happened in every generation of Jews, it would be much more nice to say, all right, I'm not going to follow this right now. Jewish people said, no, I'm committed. This, this is more real than just emotion. This is more real than just inspiration. It's truth. And I'm not going to turn from that even when my emotion or my mind isn't feeling it right now. I'm committed to something and I'm going to stay within that. Um, Interesting. You mentioned uh, Carl Jung. I, I heard, uh, I think it was Roy White Jacobson talk about how there's an in one of his last interviews, he mentioned his, um, uh, one of his main uh, message was yeah. the Magid. <laughs> I love that. It's the 80th birthday. He said, it's amazing that Dovber of Mezrich was Makavan, was, uh, was um, he already saw my whole kind of uh, vision of my, of my teachings before I did. Yeah, that's wow. really cool. That's really cool. Yeah. The, the one thing that uh, stuck out, and I know we'll come to a concluding for this uh, episode, um, is you said we have these analogies of the, like the relationship, but at the same time, you know, we are a literal piece of God. And even the Baal Shem Tov has a quote that you say, you know, when you grasp a piece of God, there's no like, or the piece of infinity, it's you get the whole thing. Hmm. So it's how do you merge also that, um, you know, on the days you are feeling that really great connection, perhaps you, you meditate multiple hours, but then also flow with it where you know the next day you're not feeling as much of a connection and doesn't mean that you don't go it doesn't mean you don't do it at all but you're all right i'm, I'm doing a little bit less today yeah not, yeah not less but um uh in tune with also mm. also paying a connection with how you are feeling because that is also very important and you you are a literal piece of god so first of all, we have the mitzvot that we do daily that keep you that connection going. Even when you're not feeling it, you, you go to the bathroom, you make a blessing, you, um, you, you, you put on tefillin, you, you have the things that are keeping, even when you're not feeling it, we have things in Judaism that keep you feeling that connection. Mm -hmm. But one teaching that helped me a lot is uh, the Baal Shem Tov says, he calls it mochin de gadlus and mochin de katmus, which would mean small or big brain, but the actual idea is um, expanded consciousness and constricted consciousness. And that helped me because I could identify my life, not just like moments, but phases of my life that were expanded consciousness where everything felt connected, where I felt totally on fire, everything flowed, I was inspired, everything is like, everything's fitting this paradigm of like divine providence. And then there are times where maybe I'm not stoking my soul enough and I'm kind of getting bogged down and stuff. And I have constricted consciousness. When I put on to fill in the morning, I don't feel anything. When I um, want to pray or meditate, I'm not really feeling excited. I don't have a desire as much. It's simply, we have to do as many things as we can to try to create an environment for expanded consciousness. And there will be times when we just don't have it. And that might last a day, a week, months, but to know that it will come back, we will get back to that point. It's just about the journey. I'm committed to the journey. Life's going to be a journey. I'm going to have ups and downs, like we said, ebbs and flows. But he actually says there that just make sure to keep a point of expanding consciousness, even within constricted. Make sure 
you still have that like wonder that that fire at some level of yourself even when you're like getting you're doing your taxes for three weeks you're barely studying anything um maintain a little bit of that fire learn something five minutes a day of something special pray with like one moment of fervor even though it's 40 minutes of prayer like choose one moment to really like feel it and connect nice but like yeah you know so there's going to be ebbs and flows for everybody mm-hmm. bal chuvas are famous for with meaning those that come back to the religion later in their life are famous for being on fire having expanded consciousness and then like anything else in life and uh hopefully we'll have this lecture during the retreat there's going to be that 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 dip some people treat the dip as okay i'm out like i don't want i'm not excited anymore and we do this in relationships too oh i'm not on fire for this girl or guy anymore others say you know what that spark that i had that i felt is true and if i stick to it i will be able to internalize that in my life in a more grounded way it might not be as fiery but i'll have moments of fire along the way and and to, to settle in that constricted consciousness, knowing that the expanded is true and you'll get back there at some point. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, well said. And, and uh, one analogy that helps understand that learning curve for me is like when you teach a dog to get on a couch, he gets on, he doesn't get on the couch. He doesn't get on the couch. He doesn't get on the couch. Then when, just when you think that he got, got it, he gets on the couch. And that's like that point where you can either react to at it and he'll just, continue with that habit or you understand that that's part of the learning curve as you're saying with uh, the meditation and it's it's really as i've also learned with meditation just falling in love with that effort process because just getting up and doing it and praying it's it allows for that those um insights those aha moments to to come when you least expect them which also allows for that that wonder, that curiosity. It's a win. It's a win just by doing it every day. Even if you feel nothing, you've, you've done something there. Yeah. Daniel, thank you so much for taking the time to come and speak with me. Uh, where can everybody uh, follow you and watch what you're doing, whether it's on YouTube or your podcast, and you have the Divine You virtual retreat coming up that I just signed up for. Uh, please share. Thank you, Solomon, for having me on. I'm really inspired by the work you do, the hustle you show to bring light to the world um, and blending all the aspects of, of, of modern world and the spiritual world. Um, I am at Millennial Rabbi uh, on all social media platforms or millennialrabbi.com. Uh, and we have the Divine You Retreat on May 23rd with a bunch of great wellness experts and top rabbis in the world and Rebitsons in the world. Uh, it's pretty unique. I'm uh, really excited you're joining us and anybody else who can would love to have you and um, message me anytime on Instagram or anywhere else and uh, love to be in touch with anybody. Awesome. Thank you very much for tuning in and listening. I hope this episode brought you some really great value. If you enjoyed any of these episodes or would like to hear more, please leave me a review on Apple or Anchor Podcast. I'm always looking out for topics to learn and talk about, gifts to share, and value to bring to us all. For more updates, please check out SolomonEzra.com. That's S-O-L-O-M-O-N-E-Z-R-A. That's where you can also sign up for newsletters, read about blogs, and hear my different podcasts. Take care.